Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, this is Bill Huber from Lockdown Packers and Packer Report talking to Knox Bardeen of Lockdown Falcons and 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, the flagship, flagship station of the Falcons. How you doing, Knox? Hey, fantastic. Good to talk to you, Bill. Yeah, to you as well. Um, I guess let's get this sucker rolling here. Is there any hangover after the way last week's game ended against uh, the Chargers? Uh, it's still a hangover, and we're, we're dealing with a two-week hangover. Up in True. Seattle, where a, a pass interference call didn't go the right way for the Falcons, and now a, a game most Falcons fans believe they should have won against San Diego. So this is a team that started off 4-1 and one and, and looked like it, it was playoff-bound is now heading in the wrong direction. And if you remember anything about last season when this team started 5-0 and oh and then 6-1 and one and finished the finished with a 3-8 and eight record at the end of the season. Everyone's kind of wondering, oh gosh, is that skid happening again? So this is a big game for the Falcons. We had, uh, for, for, our, for our conference call, we had uh, you know Coach Quinn on, and I, I asked him about the hangover, and he said that they had a, some special forces troops in there for a week during training camp, and he's hoping that their message resonates with the team of, you know, you're going to hit dark times, and you, it's what you do to pull yourself out of it. You know, any, any inkling here if that message is going to pay off? Uh, yeah, I, and, and the players, everyone I've talked to in the locker room so far this week, uh, they don't feel like it's the same thing as last year. Last year, first year in, in Coach Quinn's regime, now everyone's kind of got a grasp of what's supposed to happen. They, they feel like this team is, is much closer, is much different. It's not you know two- or three-dimensional that I'm talking about. It's not just Julio Jones. It's not just... Jacob Tammy, and it's not just Devontae Freeman. There's now, you know, five legit weapons. There's eight, nine, ten different people touching the ball, um, not named Matt Ryan every week. So, so the offense is much more um, in tune with, with Shanahan and what the Falcons want to do. And, yeah, some of these things that, that Dan Quinn does, uh, the, the special forces guys, the SEALs that came in, you know, they, they put the footballs down and they were doing team-building stuff, carrying logs everywhere and, and huge tractor tires, turn them over. So you got stuff like that going on. you got Ric Flair coming to town and coming up to, to training camp too. So a lot of these things outside of the football, and I'll tell you what, Dan Quinn is a master motivator, so we'll see what happens. The offense is darn good, and I, I, I'm sure going to hit on this. Um, Green Bay secondary is a mess, um, but it looks like you guys have pretty much torched just about everybody. Is this about the best Matt Ryan's play, do you think? It, def- it definitely is. You can argue back in, in 2012 when they were 13-3 and three and, and 10 yards away from the Super Bowl that that offense might have been a little more dynamic, but it wasn't as versatile. And, and this versatility um, that I kind of touched on just a second ago, I mean, regularly he's hitting eight, nine, ten different people in the passing game. Uh, it, it's, you know, everyone's going to try to key in on Julio Jones. He's the best receiver arguably on the planet. Uh, after that, you know, if, if you can completely shut him down, it's going to take two players to do so. Someone else is going to be open. So that's working really well for the Falcons this year. And the Falcons, who have been a 
pass-heavy, pass-first team since I started covering them in 09, uh, definitely for, for Matt Ryan's entire career, they're back to when things are working properly, they're a 50-50 run-pass balance. And, and with the way that's been going on, when they can get there, when the running game works enough to, to go 50-50, I truly believe it's an unstoppable offense. Sure seems that way. I, I'm curious, what did Denver do? And I think it was the Saints that had some success against Julio Jones. Um, you know, before I get on that, uh, you know, I talked to the Packers cornerbacks coach Joe Witt today about Julio Jones, and he said that Jones is one of the five best players in football. Never mind receivers, one of the five best players. Wow. But wow. Denver stopped him, which I guess I can understand, and the Saints had some success too, I, if I recall. What did those teams do to, uh, to you know, stop the Julio Express? Yes, well, the Saints quadruple teamed it okay. at times. It seemed like it seemed like everyone who wasn't rushing the passer was, was attached to Julio Jones's hip. So that's what the Saints did. Uh, I have to give credit to Denver. You know, they've got a, a group of cornerbacks over there that are absolutely top notch. And Akeem Talib, even though he, he took his lumps a couple of times, he did a pretty good job on Julio Jones. But he still had uh, some bracketing help going on there with him. So I, I think. Denver, with that talent there, uh, that helped a lot, and then a good game plan as well. But in both those situations, you know, the run game helped for the Falcons. They've, they've had a lot of big passing plays. I mean, they lead the NFL, I think, in 25-yard gains. Is that, is that what makes that group go? I mean, you know, Green Bay can't get a big, life, big play to save their lives, but it's, it's been the big play been the ticket for, for the Falcons? It's definitely helped. And the interesting thing about that is it's not just Julio Jones. He can absolutely take the top off the defense, but if you look at some of those other uh, big-time plays, Tevin Coleman has been a huge explosive, uh, not just runner, but mostly in the receiving game is where he's been hurting people. And that started from, from day one of training camp. They, they line those running backs up out you know, at the X or at the Y, way out wide at the numbers, and started having him run you know, 30, 40-yard routes down the field, and we're kind of all looking at each other in the media saying, you know, are they just out there stretching their legs? Are they getting into it, or is this a new wrinkle to this offense? And it was definitely a new wrinkle to the offense. So explosive plays don't just happen with Julio. It's Tevin Coleman. It's uh, Jacob Tammy, and, and each of the, the each of the tight ends seem to have a big one, too. Austin Hooper, I remember, has one as well. Coleman's not going to play, though, is he? Uh, Coleman is, is in that situation. I, I don't think he's going to play. And you don't go out and, and sign two running, running backs. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Coleman's going to play. The, the word we have here now is um, expect Teron Ward to be the backup to Devontae Freeman. And Teron Ward was just um, promoted from the practice squad. Um, and if Coleman plays, they won't activate Steven Ridley. But if he um, doesn't play, then Ridley's going to be active too. This is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be free, a whole bunch of Freeman, though, don't, don't you think? Yeah, and he's ready to, to carry the load. Uh, he did it a lot last year, mm-hmm. even though that they've been a lot more um, 50-50 when it comes to touches. Probably more like 60-40 in touches. He still, can, you know, if it takes a couple, two, three weeks for Coleman to get back ready, uh, he can shoulder 100% of the carries, no problem. Can Freeman have that passing game role that you talked about with, with Coleman? Uh, yeah, last year, it was, you know, Freeman was the only 1,000-yard rusher last year with 70-plus catches, too. And I, okay. and I totally expected uh, him to be um, the guy that was doing things in the passing game here. I kind, of, I kind of thought Coleman, this is going into the season, I kind of thought Coleman was going to be the guy that ate into Freeman's rushes. But it's been kind of flip-flop. Coleman has just been an extremely explosive receiver. So we'll, we'll see. It's probably going to look a lot like last year with, with Freeman getting a lot of catches out of the backfield and a lot of work carrying the ball. 
How's the old line been? Um, I know they 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 signed uh, Mac away from the Browns, and they got Clay, uh, Clay Matthews' cousin at left tackle. Um, how's how's the line shaking up? And you can you, you know the Green Bay has done one thing well: it's stopped the run and, and then rushed the passer. And that's probably the biggest concern for this team right now. And the offensive line has done pretty well. Yeah, Jake Matthews, who you just mentioned, Ryan Schrader, who was was an undrafted rookie a couple years ago, who has turned into one of the better tackles uh, in the league. Yeah, he's definitely a top 20 tackle. So uh, on the outsides, I don't think there's too many problems with this Falcons offensive line. And Alex Mack has been everything he was cracked up to be, and he was worth every penny they paid for him. Uh, That exchange between he and Matt Ryan has been great. The exchange that Mack Mack can kind of – Bringing the communication along that offensive line has been really good. The, the Falcons are still weak at guard. Okay. Uh, Chris Chester, Andy Levitre. Chester has been just a, a windmill of <laughs> uh, negative pass rush, if you will. He, it, it's really easy to get through there. So if, I expect the Packers to probably game plan and, and try to attack up the middle of this offensive line. And, and at that point, the, the Falcons are to figure out some way to either keep a running back in or, or have some tight end help come over. But I think that the Packers will still be able to get to Matt Ryan a little bit, but I, I'm a bit impressed with the offensive line other than that. On the other side of the ball, um, what, Beasley's got six and a half sacks, and God, Dwight Freeman, Dwight, Dwight Freeman's like 50, isn't he? But that's, that's a hell of a good <laughs> I, pass rushing tandem. Like, and, and I don't want to give Dwight Freeney too much credit because some of this has to be Vic Beasley coming into his own. But... Uh, you can definitely tell, and both players have admitted it, that they've been working together both in the film room and on the field to get better. And Beasley is finally coming into his own. And one of the things that we knew about Beasley um, when he first stepped foot in, in Atlanta was he was one of the more explosive pass rushers. Mm-hmm. I mean, his first step is dynamic. The problem is, is he got locked up with tackles too much, and he didn't really know how to get off. And that's something that, um, through working with, with the coaching staff here, through working with, you know, Dwight Freeney, it's really starting to help out. And Freeney even joked yesterday that they've been working on on that spin move that Dwight Freeney is famous for, and he said he's not quite ready to use it in the game yet. He's probably, if he's a professor, Vic Beasley is at the 101 level. He has to wait till he's at the 300 <laughs> level before he can use it in the game. But he figures he'll get there by the end of the year. The linebacker group is is super young but super athletic. So is it it's been more the good or more the bad with uh, Jones and, and was it Devondre Campbell? Yes, and the situation there was last season. If you wanted to gain yards on the Falcons defense, you went to the middle of of the defense, and it was you know running backs scored more touchdowns against Atlanta uh, than any other um, team in the league, and it was a situation where. If a linebacker was going to make a tackle, it was seven, eight yards deep, and that just couldn't happen anymore. So what they did with Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell is they went out and got two of the fastest linebackers around. Both of them were top ten at the 40 in the combine, and both of them liked to hit really hard. Deion Jones has, has been really fantastic after he got his, his feet underneath him. It took him a, a few weeks, maybe even a few months, arguably, to, to completely get the, the defense in tow. With Devondre Campbell, what a fourth-round steal for, for the Falcons here. He, As soon as he walked on the field during training camp, he became the best cover linebacker the Falcons had. So there's still some rookie mistakes. There's still some learning to do in the NFL. But it, it's definitely light years ahead of where this Falcons linebacker core was last year. Yeah, I know Green Bay entered this draft entering, needing a, uh, a coverage linebacker, and I really thought Jones might be the guy that took him in. I mean, he is 
I mean, he's what you want. I mean, he's he's bigger than a safety, and but he he sure the heck runs like one. He's uh, an an impressive guy for sure. He's a, he's made a couple of athletic interceptions too. So, uh, he had some some trouble with injury early on, but now that he's back and, and Campbell's back, uh, if they can continue to stay on the field together, and and they were starters from day one here in Atlanta, I, I think good things can happen. How about Neil, the the, the Keanu Neal, the first round safety? I know there's a lot of talk in the in the Packers locker room about his. What is hitting ability? Well, he, you know, from almost, I want to say it was maybe day three or four of training camp, he um, got into a fight with Jacob Tammy in a goal line situation, and I forget which receiver he, he laid out, you know, maybe an hour later in practice, but it, it was one of those things where he came across the middle and just absolutely cold cocked him. It was, you know, if it were a Sunday game, it would have been a legal hit, but in practice, you know, of yeah. course, you know, you don't want to do that. But um, he's that enforcer now over the middle of that defense. And I told you, the middle of the Falcons' defense has not been good for many, many years. He's now that guy that, like, you just said it. The Packers are talking about him in the middle. So when receivers cut across the middle, they're going to think, is Keanu Neal going to come get me? And he, he's just a massive thumper. And he can even play at the line of scrimmage, too. So we're starting to see some some areas in the pass rush where he might even help out there, too. Okay. Uh, I don't think Green Bay is going to run the ball because their running back situation is a mess. So they're, they're going to come out chucking it. Um, if if teams stayed away from from Trufant, they they still are. And okay. Not only is that a testament to how how good he's doing, and I, and I think he's he's right. He's either right there in step or, or just ready to become an elite corner in this league. So I don't want to take anything away from him, but. On the other side of the field, Robert Alford has just not turned into the cornerback that Atlanta was hoping for. He's really easy to pick on, or has been really easy to pick on, and that's an, another kind of reason why teams stay away from Trufant because Alford has been either you know easy to connect with and, and gain yardage, or he, he, a lot of silly pass interference calls, penalties that really hurt this team. So that's a situation where I, I totally expect Alford to get a, a bunch of targets. And they're going to probably come in with Jalen Collins, who has taken a couple weeks to get back from his suspension. He'll probably be on the outside, and they'll move Alford into the middle. And now Jalen Collins, who hasn't lived up to his second-round draft status either, we'll see if he can slow him down. But right now, the only cornerback – how do I put this delicately? The only cornerback earning his salary, if you will, is probably Trufant. Okay. So you, so you think they're going to play Collins then, and then Poole have been playing the nickel. Do you think Poole goes to the – to the fourth corner, how do you, how do you think they do that then? Yeah, pool, pool, you know, they'll, they'll mix and match. Okay. For some strange reason, and we've been talking about this on the air uh, quite a bit here in Atlanta, is Jalen Collins was suspended for performance-enhancing drugs, mm-hmm. missed the first four games, and the, the talk through the offseason was as soon as he comes back, he's going to be on the outside, Alford's going to move in the middle. You know, no one really expected Poole to come on like he, he did, but he was an undrafted guy too who's made this team. But that was the way it was going to work. Alford's in the middle, Collins is on the outside, but Collins wasn't even active for the first two weeks that he came back from that suspension. He was in shape. He knows the system, so we're not sure if the Falcons have fallen out of love with Jalen Collins or if, if there was a huge difference between game shape and, and in shape or, or what that is. But it, it could be Brian Poole is playing well, but I don't think Brian Poole is the cover guy that, that Collins is or even Robert Alford is. So we'll have to see what happens there. But that's a pretty big mystery going on here in Atlanta right now. Okay. 
Uh, last thing we'll uh, reverse roles here is I should put on your uh, fortune teller hat. What, what, you, what do you have, guys? Got four rookies starting between Neil at safety. You know, if you count Poole as your nickel guy and your, your two linebackers, that's four rookies. Bees is a second-year guy. Collins is a second-year guy. That's a lot of youth. Can this defense become good enough to get the rest of this team where it needs to get to as in, as in a Super Bowl or down the road? Right. Not this year. Definitely yeah. not this year. And, and I, I think it's going to take a, a couple of more off-seasons, you know, along with the draft as well as free agency, for Dan Quinn to completely turn this defense into what he wants it to be. And, and it's not a carbon copy of what he had in Seattle, but that's definitely going to be uh, the, the base of what's going on. Then he's going to put his own, own touches to it. Right now, if if they can get to even a, a you know top twenty defense somewhere between middle of the road to twenty twenty one, I think this offense is good enough to take it into the playoffs. I don't know if it's good enough for a Super Bowl run, but give it another year or two. The offense, if it stays like it is, and, and the defense will catch up. And now you're talking about a team that, that's a force to be reckoned with. All right. This episode of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. And Pack Report members receive 10% discounts on tickets, 10% discounts on gear, and new annual members get Sports Illustrated and SportsIllustrated.com for a year as well. And if your company would like to speak directly to Packers fans, you should be sponsoring this podcast. We have great rates and a growing listenership. Email me for details at PackWriter2002 at Yahoo.com. Once again, that is PackWriter2002 at Yahoo.com. This is Bill Huber from Lockdown Packers and Packer Report and Knox Bardeen from Lockdown Falcons in 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Knox, the floor is yours. <laughs> My, the first question I have for you, Bill, and, and I really appreciate you doing this. This is going to be some good stuff for, for our Falcons fans and our Packers fans. Um, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? There, I was ready to put Aaron Rodgers down as, as the best quarterback in, in the world going into this season, definitely over the last couple of years, and it seems like he hasn't been playing up to that level. What's the story with what's going on with his numbers, with his play, and all that good stuff? Yeah, it is, it is unbelievable what, what has happened. And, you know, I, don't, I don't know. If, if I had the answer, I would probably be on the coaching staff. It's, you know, <laughs> I, I go back to last year where, where they lost Jordy Nelson, their, their prime receiver. They lost him in the preseason, and he was their lone big play threat. I mean, he had more touchdown catches of of sixty plus yards in two thousand fourteen than thirty of the other one thirty of the other thirty one teams had fifty yard plays, touchdown or non touchdown. I mean, he was just a one man band of big plays. He goes down; they can't replace him. And I, I think then, therefore, defenses just smothered the underneath stuff. And you know, I, I think he lost confidence in the ability of his guys to get open. He started playing outside the scheme a, a bit. As in, as in maybe freelancing it and trying and trying and trying to get something to happen. And therefore, I think his fundamentals went on the toilet. And, you know, Nelson's back this year, but they still don't have a, a they still have no big play throw. I mean, Atlanta's number one in 25-yard plays. Green Bay's 31. Wow. So they have, they have no big play threat. And, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Kurt Warner from, from the NFL Network had a good, his theory was that he doesn't trust that his guys are going to get open. So when they do get open, he's, it's not that he's not prepared for it, but he's just that half of a split second late, and the timing is all messed up. Or sometimes he's just flat out not seeing guys for open. Now, they lost running back Eddie Lacy to, a, to an ankle injury. He's on IR now. And, and 
maybe this is the best thing for this offense, as weird as it is to say. Because they didn't have him against the Bears, and I realize it's the Bears, but they put Ty Montgomery receiver. He was their running back. So they basically had four receivers on the field for the whole game. They spread the field, and it became one, two, three, get the ball out. Where he had to get the ball out in a hurry, and there's no more looking for big plays. It looked like a whole new offense last week, and especially in the second half. And I think maybe, maybe they found something to get this offense going. So that's a long-winded answer of, I don't know what's wrong. But maybe they've got something to go with because they the first five games they, they in the first five games they played a they played a half of a good game against Detroit and that's it. And, and it, you know it's it's funny you mentioned how the offense changed for for the Packers last week. It's one of the questions that that we've tried to ask in a couple of different ways to Dan Quinn or, or to whoever we can get our hands on. Is you know is is it weird that you're going into a week eight football game against the Green Bay Packers, but you don't have a lot of film on, on what this offense is going to look like. So, so my question to you is, is the film that they put up last week, is that what the Falcons should be preparing for? Is that the kind of road they're going to go down? Or do you think it's going to be another different look on offense for the, for Green Bay? No, they, they finally found something and this is what they're going to do. I mean, right now the running back core is um, Nile Davis, who, you know, they just traded for um, last Tuesday. So he's been in Green Bay for 10 days now. You know, he's he, he was the Chiefs' number four running back, and he had carried one time for minus two yards on the year until, until they made the trade. So I, I don't know what you've got there. And the only other running back is Don Jackson, an undrafted rookie from Nevada, who has an injured hand. <laughs> I, I can't imagine they're going to rely on those guys. And Atlanta's, I think, number eight in run defense. So I, yeah. So I don't... I think it's going to be a whole lot different. I think it's going to be a lot of Ty Montgomery, the wide receiver, playing running back. And they're going to, I think what you saw against the Bears will be what we see going forward. You know, they showed some of that against the Cowboys the week before. Montgomery had 10 catches. And against the Bears, he also had 10 catches. That's two games with back-to-back 10-catch games. And he's a, it'll be interesting. He's, look, he's a wide receiver, so he's a good athlete. Obviously, the, the Falcons have good athletes at linebacker. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they've got some answers for that because, the Bears and Cowboys had no answers for just the, the flares out of the backfield and the checkdowns and the quick hitting stuff where he just completely outflanked guys. I wonder if uh, you know the, the Falcons linebackers might be something of a solution to that. Yeah, and you're listening to Bill Huber of Locked On Packers. I'm Knox Marvane from Locked On Falcons. We're, we're breaking down uh, the matchup between Green Bay and Atlanta this weekend here in the Georgia Dome. I'm here in Atlanta. I want to transition over to the defense, Bill, as, as, I, as I'm looking over your depth chart. One of the things that Julio Jones said to us today was when he looks over there and all the film he's watched, he sees maybe the two best safeties, or at least the best safety tandem, that the Falcons might face all year long. What have they been doing right, and, and can they really help against this, this pass attack that Atlanta's going to throw at them? Yeah, well, they're going to have to help, and, and that's pretty high praise. It's funny because I asked... Uh... Defensive coordinator Dom Capers, they bought Haha Clinton Dix, one of their safeties. And actually, actually, I asked the safeties coach Darren Perry, what, what have you thought of Haha? Because I came this year predicting that he'd be a Pro Bowl player because he had a really good second year, was just dynamite in camp. And he hasn't done a darn thing. I and mean, there's no big plays. Um, you know, he's been fine, but I mean, nothing, nothing really eye opening. And I think a lot of it's just because the, their corners have been just wiped out by injuries and they've had to. Kind of changes defense a bit on the fly. He's had to, he's had to cover, but he's he's their center field guy. While Morgan Burnett is 
from Georgia Tech. He is more of their in-the-box guy. Well, I don't think they're going to go much in-the-box against Atlanta's offense, but Burnett's strength is the run game. Uh, Clinton Dick's strength is uh, he's a pretty good all-around guy. So, you know, what have they done? Well, I, th- I think it's just, you know, they, they don't screw things up. And I mean, it, it's, <laughs> well, I, you know, it's safety left. That's a big deal, right? I mean, it's, it's less on defense. And if you screw up at six points, it's a very solid group. Just hasn't made a whole bunch of splash plays for him yet. And you and I were talking that you asked me about the Falcons offensive line. One of the huge things that everyone here in Atlanta is kind of focused on is, is this Packers pass rush. I, I think they can attack the, the offensive guards. How do you see them attacking this Falcons offense? Yeah, they, they have to. It always, you know, like every defense in the world, I'm sure it, it starts to stop in your run and, ma- and making it third and long. So it's predictable. But, you know, if it's, if Matt Ryan has second and five and third and two all game, they'll score 50. Um, for Green Bay, they are number one in the league in run defense, as in yards per game and yards per carry. They got demolished by the Cowboys a couple weeks ago against the run, but in every other game has just been uh, pretty much domination. They're better than I thought up front. Their outside linebackers are really physical, and they turn things back inside. So it starts to stop and run, and it's been a whole bunch of third and long where you can, where you can get after guys, and, and they've got a lot of options. Um, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, they're outside linebackers. Everybody knows Matthews. Nick Perry kind of burst out of the, he was their first round pick in 2012, really burst out of the scene kind of the second half of last year in the playoffs. I mean, he's already got his career high number of sacks. He's a power guy. And on pass rushing downs, they got Mike Daniels, their highly paid D tackle, one of the best guys in the league. Julius Peppers goes into the interior and rushes. Dayton Jones, a former first round pick rushes. So they've got a lot of options. And Dom Capers is renowned for his blitzing, and he, and he hasn't had to do a lot of it. They've mostly been able to get a pass rush with four guys, and when you're facing Ryan in that offense, you probably don't want to blitz too much anyway. So that's, that's a good sign that they've got to rush against four. And you know, If you're rushing the guards, I mean, that's going to be Julius Peppers. And Peppers, even at age 36, can bring the heat. Absolutely. And we know Julius Peppers really well here in Atlanta for him his time right. in Carolina, so... It's going to be an interesting game. I, I, you know, now that we've kind of picked apart each other's depth charts, you had mentioned kind of looking into the future. You don't. If I'm, we've been we've been on the call here for for thirty three minutes now. Is is kind of what we're looking at. You don't sound terribly enthused. Enthused is the wrong word. You don't sound optimistic that Green Bay can come down in here to Atlanta and, and come away with a win. Am I, am I gauging your oh, yeah. right with your voice? Yeah, that's right. Um, if they had all their corners, maybe I'd give them a chance. But you're talking, Sam Shields is one of the better, one of the best, he's one of the better corners in the league. He entered this year trailing only Richard Sherman in interception since 2010. He's on IR with a concussion. His year's probably over. His career might be over. Uh, their first round pick last year is Demarius Randall. He just had groin surgery. Their second-round pick last year, Quentin Rounds, has a groin injury. He's missed the last couple games. Those are your three top corners, and they're probably not going to play, so that leaves you with Ladarius Gunter as their number one guy. He's an undrafted free agent from last year who played eight snaps of defense as a rookie. Your other corner is Dimitri Goodson, who was a point guard at Baylor and just came back from a four-game suspension here a couple weeks ago. And he's really, on the, he's really on the team to play special teams while he's starting at corner. And then their their nickel guy is Micah Hyde, who's their number three safety and kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Not for the life of me can I find a way where any of those guys are going to stop 
Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. I mean, Carolina couldn't stop him with a pretty good defense, and he got 300 yards against him. I have no idea, and I think Ladarius Gunter is a damn good player. I have no idea how he, how they hold those guys in check. I just think I think the Falcons throw the ball like crazy and, and probably score 35, 40 points. And that should be music to the ears of Falcons fans that listen to Locked On Falcons because I, I'm of the firm belief that if the Falcons get into a track meet, that they can win most games. The, the teams that really give Atlanta trouble are the teams that can stop the run. So that kind of scares me about Green Bay. If they can figure out how to stop the run, and, and we're, the Falcons are probably going to be without Tevin Coleman. So uh, that scares me a little bit about the game coming up. But I, I like the idea of it being a track meet. And, Bill, I'll tell you what else kind of scares me about this Green Bay offense. You were talking about how last week the only way to get it going or the only signs of life it had was, you know, three seconds, get the ball out, you know, three steps, quick, 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 everything, get out. Well, to me, when I hear that, I, I think of a, of a lot of short passing routes. I think of right. a lot of uh, get the ball out in the flats. And unfortunately for the Falcons, that's where you could really hurt this team. You, you still hurt this team by throwing the ball three to eight yards on it and, and hoping you catch whoever's receiving the ball lined up against a, a linebacker not named Devondre Campbell. And if Aaron Rodgers gets into a rhythm doing that, I, I think it could be easy for him to march down the field against the Stalkins defense because the Stalkins defense has shown signs of being uh, ready to take that next step. If you look back at the, at the Denver film if you get a chance and you can see what Dan Quinn thinks this defense can be down the road. But there are also lots of times where it looks like it did against San Diego in the second half too where – that the Chargers just could march up and down the field at will, which is why I believe it was easy for Dan Quinn to go for it on that fourth down play in, in overtime. So uh, Aaron Rodgers and those quick passes really scare me a lot. Yeah, I, I just want to I just want to see if it's going to hold itself up. Um, my colleague over at ESPN, Rob Demosky, a good friend of mine, I mean, he had a story this week. Over the last 16 games, which is obviously a full season, he is the worst completion percentage of any quarterback in football. And, you know, he... He looked good against the Bears. I just need to see him do it for more than a half. He had a good half against the Lions. He had a good second half against the Bears. But I just need to see this offense put it together for more than fits and spurts. And it's they've been mediocre or worse for so long. I, I just need to see something sustained before I can believe that, they can, that this offense is actually even pretty good, much less great, but even, even pretty good. Yeah, well, Atlanta's defense has, has the ability to make offenses look good no matter what they've done in previous weeks. But I, but I hear your point. It's going to be an interesting game uh, on Sunday. It's, it's a late afternoon kick, 4 o'clock. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at two teams that, that aren't necessarily heading in the right direction, see um, which one of them can turn it around. Uh, do I even need to ask for your official pick? Are you going to make that? Should we, should we let our listeners in on that, or do you want to uh, kind of end this phone call here? Um. I always save it from my website, Pack Report, the you know the official prediction. But uh, yeah, I, I got Atlanta, you know, winning and, and covering. How about how about you? Uh, I'm not sure about covering, but I think Atlanta's gonna uh, win this one too. Because just because of some of the things we've mentioned, the, the offense, the the fact that that you guys aren't up to uh, your first or even second string at some positions on the depth chart. So I think Atlanta's gonna be able to move the ball. And, and let's just take an off the field reason. Dan Quinn can't let this team lose three games in a row because then he'll have to start answering the questions. Well, this happened to you last year, bud. You're, you're a second-year head coach, and I think he's going to have to find a way to, to do that. And 
I, I didn't like the idea of Atlanta having to turn things around against the Green Bay team, but uh, I, I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. Very good. This has been Knox Bardeen from Lockdown Packers, or not Lockdown Packers, Lockdown Falcons, 92-9 the game. Bill Huber from Pack Report and Lockdown Packers. Be sure, everybody, to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Network, including the Lockdown NFL and Lockdown Fantasy. Thanks, Knox. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Hey, thanks for doing this, Bill. Really appreciate it. Sounds good. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.